You're listening to Elk Point Baptist Church. Subscribe to our podcast to hear every sermon and like us on Facebook by searching Elk Point Baptist Church, located in Elk Point, South Dakota. How's everybody? Good? Made it out of bed. Hey, I can concur with that. I woke up at 2 in the morning for some reason. I just was awake for like an hour. So I was like, I'm just going to pray and get on Facebook and post my thoughts and I don't know, I guess I had things to think about, <laughs> so I was up. Um, so today I'm, I'm excited that um, we are concluding, not that, that it'll be my last message of the series, but I'm excited about the message itself, um, because in this series of why we suffer, we see a lot of reasons um, for the suffering, and today we're going to see that it's, it's that we can claim the promises of God. That's something that we can be excited about. So we, we've looked at some, some hard things, um, things that require us to look outside of ourselves and to um, see God as our only answer, uh, which is often humbling, but today we get to see that it's about the promises that he has for us. And unfortunately, well, I would say fortunately actually, there's a lot of promises in the Bible that God gives us, so I can't actually list out all the promises, but I can cover um, the power of his promises here today. So... If you would, turn in your Bibles to 2 Corinthians chapter 1. Uh, we will be in verses 12 through 24 today. And on Sunday, I mentioned that this chapter, chapter 1 in 2 Corinthians, is um, probably the one chapter in all of the New Testament that really describes Paul's heart. Um, we see a lot of, of insight into Paul and who he is. And, hey, Pastor Jesse, glad to see you. <laughs> He drove all night to be here, so that's dedication. That's right. <laughs> Wednesday, yeah. He might still text me, that's true. All right. Um, but anyways, we see here that the great apostle was admitting his fears and failures and um, his, his fears for this church specifically, um, but that also translates to us. But we have to ask ourselves, and we often do, is why did this have to happen to me? And that's what this whole series is about, is why we suffer. Why, why are we going through what we're going through right now? And remember, the, the, pain, the problem of pain has always baffled people. The answer to why um, that we've seen in this series is helping us to understand the how we're going to get through the pain. And if we understand the why, then we will understand the how to get through it. Why must the righteous suffer is a question that's found all throughout Scripture. If we're in the Word, we're going to see that continuously why people are suffering, because the Bible is not void of suffering and pain and loss, but fortunately God has an answer for every single one of those. So if you would, let's stand as we read the scripture, 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verses 12 through 24. <clears throat> Paul wrote, and, and God inspired these words, it said, For our rejoicing is this, the testimony of our conscience, that in simplicity and godly sincerity, not with fleshly wisdom, but by the grace of God, we have found our conversation in the world, and more abundantly to you, word. For we write none other things unto you than what we read or acknowledge, and I trust ye shall acknowledge even to the end. As ye have acknowledged us in part that we are your rejoicing, even as ye also are ours in the day of the Lord. And in the confidence I was minded to come unto you before that ye might have a second benefit, and to pass by you into Macedonia, and to come again out of Macedonia unto you, and of you to be brought on my way toward Judea, 
When I therefore was thus minded, did I use lightness? Or the thing that I purpose, do I purpose according to the flesh, that with me there should be yea, yea, or nay, nay? But as God is true, our word toward you was not yea and nay. For the Son of God, Jesus Christ, who was preached among you by us, even by me in Silvanus and Timotheus, was not yea and nay, but in him was yea. For all the promises of God in him are yea, and in him, amen, unto the glory of God by us. Now, he which established us with you in Christ and hath anointed us is God, who hath also sealed us and given the earnest of the Spirit in our hearts. Moreover, I call God for a record upon my soul that to spare you I came not as yet unto Corinth, not for that we have dominion over your faith, but are helpers of your joy, for by faith ye stand. Lord, I pray this morning that whoever is watching on YouTube and whoever is here physically, Lord, that you open our hearts and, and help us to truly realize why we suffered, Lord. I pray that through all the pain that we are dealing with or the bitterness of the pain that we have dealt with or the fear of the pain that we will endure someday, Lord, I just pray that we can cling to you. We can cling to the, we can cling to the promises and claim them, Lord, and, and just believe what you say is true. I pray that you speak through me today. I pray that you help me to convey this in a way that is meaningful to each and every one here. Um, and I pray that I also walk away strengthened by it. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. You can be seated. Uh, so as I stated last Sunday, Paul gives us in this chapter three reasons why God permits his people to suffer. We do suffer. That's not a question of, of if we suffer because we've all faced it. But the first reason is that we might comfort others. Now, that is challenging because <clears throat> the first part of that prom promise is that, you know, we will, through our suffering, be blessed as an individual, but the challenge there was that we would be a blessing to others. We'd look outside of ourselves and, and be a comfort to other people. See, each member of the Trinity is a comforter. Remember, the Father is the God of all comfort. Jesus prays for us continuously, and the Spirit is in us, comforting us. So, it's by his comfort that we are able to comfort others. The second reason was that we might have confidence in God alone. Not in this world, not in people around us, not in the situations that we encounter, because all those things will fail, but it's in God alone that we have confidence. And that, that is what suffering brings us to realize. We saw that God has already delivered us in 2 Corinthians 1.10. Uh, Psalm 40, verse 2, it said, He brought me up. Also out of an horrible pit, out of the miry clay, and set my feet upon a rock, that's Jesus, and established my goings. He saved us. He brought us out of a horrible life that was hopeless and gave us hope and peace and eternal salvation. That's something that we should be remembering. We should look at that and have confidence in God alone because he saved us. He delivered us. The second reason was he continues to deliver us. We saw that in verse 10 as well. God promised never to leave us, and as Isaiah 41.10, he said, Fear thou not, for I am with thee. Be not dismayed, for I am thy God. I will strengthen thee, yea, I will help thee, yea, I will uphold thee with the right hand of my righteousness. And in verse 13, he said, For I, the Lord thy God, will hold thy right hand, saying unto thee, Fear not, I will help thee. That is something we can have confidence in. He is continuously with us. He promised he would stay with us, and that is a promise that we can hold on to. He continues to deliver us, and in he was the, he's the God of all comfort. That was another reason we saw. And he, he wanted us to pray continuously for one another and to him. See, we, get, we can have confidence in God when we're praying to him. 
He gives us peace and strength as we're praying to him. So that is something he wants us to do. As we saw in 1 Thessalonians 5.17, he said, pray without ceasing. That is always in the good, in the bad, for ourselves, for other people, constantly. Because he wants to commune with us. He wants to be with us. And the third reason is that he will always deliver us. We have that hope. <laughs> Whether we know how that is going to be, we don't know. But we have faith in who has control over that situation. See, in the book of Daniel, we see that God is preeminent. He is the one in control of all nations. He is the one in control of all situations. And he, he orchestrates everything. He has control over every single situation in this world, and nothing is done without a reason. So he can make it possible for us to get through it. Maybe that means we'll, we'll be in heaven sooner. Maybe we'll die sooner. But that just means we'll be with him, right? <laughs> so that is salvation from that situation. We'll be delivered from that situation because we'll be with him sooner. Well, maybe he's, he'll see us through it. Maybe we'll get to glorify him through it, just like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego when they were put in the fiery furnace. They didn't know if they were going to make it through that or not, but they had faith that God said that he would. And in, in, in uh, Isaiah, that promise that was, was given to them in the Old Testament. So when we ask God, Lord, why am I going through this? I don't understand what good is going to come from this. The answer to the why that we have seen in, in these verses in the last few days is helping us to understand how we're going to bear the suffering. On Sunday, we saw the first reason for the suffering is that we might comfort others. And on Wednesday, we saw the second reason for our suffering. It's that we might claim the promises of God or that we might have confidence in God alone. But today, we are going to see that we might have, we might be able, we can claim the promises of God. <clears throat> so today, I want to give you an illustration, um, which I really connected with and, and I'll explain why at the end of it, but it said in 1979, Verna Bowman of Telford, Pennsylvania, gave birth to her fourth child, Jeff. Geoff? G-E-O-F-F. Is that Jeff? Yeah. I'll just say Jeff. All right, cool. <laughs> and quickly learned from doctors the frightening news. The baby had defective kidneys. Writing a guidepost, she tells the doctors ordered she tells that the doctors ordered the child rushed to Children's Hospital in Philadelphia where he would receive kidney dialysis. Still hospitalized herself, Verna prayed and prayed for her son, and as she did, she soon felt God's nearness. See, that's what happens when we pray. We feel him come to us. He gives us strength and peace. Unbidden, the words of Scripture, of a Scripture text, began to repeat in her heart, this sickness is not unto death, but for the glory of God in John eleven four. It's not unto death, but for the glory of God. She wrote the words down. Later, her husband called to report on the baby's condition. It's too soon to tell if he's going to make it, he said. He's going to make it, Verna replied. And she read him the verse that God breathed into her heart. I believe those words, she said. So do I, Verna, replied her husband. So do I. And after three months of dialysis, Jeff's kidneys, though still defective, began to function on their own. Throughout his childhood, Jeff took medication and, and tired easily. During that time, Verna collected in her journal other scriptures which encouraged her faith, or encouraged her faith that her son would be all right. When Jeff was 13, the doctors reported he would need a kidney transplant. Though unsettling at first, this news turned out to be the very answer to her prayers. Verna herself provided the kidney, and the operation was a complete success. Jeff would be able to live a normal life. Later, Verna's daughter suggested they do something special with the scriptures that had meant much to them during Jeff's long sickness. Verna often made quilts 
and her daughter was skilled at cross-stitch, so they decided to make a quilt that displayed 12 of the cherished promises from the Bible. Each scripture was stitched onto white linen and bordered in a pattern of hunter green and burgundy. Three months later, the quilt was completed and hung on the wall of their guest room. When others admired the quilt, it eventually was hung in their church as well as other churches in the area. God's promises had made a great difference for Verna Bowman. When she chose to have these promises stitched onto a quilt, she made a fitting choice. As comforting as a quilt on a cold wintry night, so God's promises ward off soul-chilling fear. They warm the soul. Psalm 145, verse 13 said, Thy kingdom is an everlasting kingdom, and thy dominion endureth through all generations. See, this earth fades away. The things that we cling on to fade away, but God's kingdom is everlasting. It's forever. In 2 Peter 1, 4, it says, Whereby are given unto us exceeding great and precious promises, that by these ye might be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. I remember last night, a thought I had when we got the test results for Jaron, when, when it was concluded that he actually had Down syndrome, I said, of course this would happen to me. I've, I've gone through so much pain in my life, why not this one? Like, Go figure, I'd be given someone like this. And it's a sobering thought because <laughs> when I prayed, God came close to me and gave me a promise. He said, I'm, I'm going to take care of him. <laughs> yeah. It's amazing because when God promises something, he means it. Amen. You look at Jaron today, <laughs> and I understand the why now. When I look back, I understand the why because yeah. he is a blessing, man. <laughs> Not just to me, but to the world. Everybody he comes in contact with, man, he just brings a light, and it's just amazing. And, and seeing how God has been with him and with our family because of it is just, it's God. You know, it's not something we could have orchestrated. God had a plan there. The connection between this passage in verses 12 through 24 about Paul's plans and the generic or general topic of suffering is easy to see, but <clears throat> by understanding the background, we can follow Paul's thinking here. Paul had promised to visit Corinth this church that he's been writing to, first when he made his way to Macedonia, and then a second time as he headed to Jerusalem with the special offering. This is the double blessing mentioned in verse 15 when it said second benefit. See, in, in verse 15 he said, And in this confidence I was minded to come unto you before, that you might have a second benefit. He was really hoping to come a second time. He intended to visit the church in Corinth two times, but circumstances forced him to change his plans, and his enemies at Corinth accused him of being fickle and undependable. How often do we get angry at God when our plans don't go the way we planned them? We get so upset. We have this whole thing figured out like it's just going to be perfect, and then it does not go the way we planned it, and we get angry. Not only did his plans have to change, but now people in that city were saying, you cannot trust Paul's letters. So now his integrity is being questioned. He, they said he even claims these letters are God's message to us. That brought to my mind Galatians 1.10. It said, For do I now persuade men or God? Or do I seek to please men? For if, it, if, for if I yet please men, I should not be the servant of Christ. 
So when we, when we have situations where we have these plans made, just like Paul did to visit this church and, and to correct them and to rebuke them and to get them back in right standing with God, or we have these plans to do something for God and then things don't go the way we planned them, you know, how often are we looking at the situations we're in and thinking about what other people might be thinking or saying? Are we looking at what they... <clears throat> are we looking at these people and thinking, there's no way they're going to take me seriously now? Like, I had all this, this stuff planned out. It was going to be perfect. I was going to do so much for God, and now I can't. Right? And that's exactly what happened to Paul. You know, if you base your view of God's promises on circumstances and people, then you will have a warped view of God. He will not fail you. People will, though. Our reliance on people's acceptance of us will fail us. Our reliance on this world is going to fail, fail us. We cannot be so focused on people's view of us and our situation. Paul answered these charges by showing us that he was sincere in promising them two visits. He did promise that, and he meant it and that his motives were pure and godly. He assured them that this letter, or his letters, were honest and trustworthy, as they were, will discover, these people will discover in the end, when Christ returns to judge. See, it's not us, when we're, when we're dealing with this situation, it's not people that we have to testify to. It's not them that, th their judgment doesn't matter. So when we're going through a hard time, ultimately, how we're faithful through that situation is going to be judged by Christ later. That's what's important, not people's opinions. So when we're in pain, go to God about it, because he's the one that has a plan with that pain. He's going to use that pain for something, not people. Look at verses 12 through 14. For our rejoicing is this, the testimony of our conscience, that in simplicity and godly sincerity, not with fleshly wisdom, but by the grace of God, we have had our conversation in the world and more abundantly, more abundantly to you word. For we write none other things unto you that what you read or acknowledge, and I trust you shall acknowledge even to the end, as also ye have acknowledged us in part, that we are your rejoicing, even as ye also are ours in the day of the Lord Jesus. So it was Paul's confidence that their love and understanding, or it was his confidence in their love and understanding that led him to change his plans. There were things going on in the church of Corinth at the time that he had to go see them and correct because it was a problem. But God had different plans. So, because of his confidence in their love and understanding about his situation, he, he decided it was okay not to go. He would, he would go a different route because that's where God was leading him. God had a different plan. Look at verse 15. And this confidence, I was minded to come unto you before that you might have a second benefit and to pass by you into Macedonia, and to come out of Macedonia unto you, and of you be brought on my way toward Judea. One paraphrase puts it this way, It was because I was so sure of your understanding and trust that I planned to stop and see you on my way to Macedonia. Where there are love and confidence, there should never be doubt or question about motives. So if we have confidence in God's love and confidence in his motives, then there should be no question in our mind, right? We shouldn't, we shouldn't be concerned with whether it's going to work out for God, like, especially if our goal is to do something for him. Because he, he will be faithful. Paul was not like the men of this world who say yes when they mean no. It is here that Paul teaches us a lasting lesson. The word of God is trustworthy, and all the promises 
not just a few things in the Bible, but all the promises of God find their yes in Jesus Christ. We see in verse 20, he wrote, For all the promises of God in him are yea, and in him amen unto the glory of God by us. One way to translate verse 20 is this, All the promises of God find their yes in Christ. Their yea, and through him we say amen. All the, the prophecies and all the promises throughout all the Bible were fulfilled in him. So we can have confidence in him. In other words, the promises of God are true in Christ. He fulfills them, and he gives us the faith to claim them. We ought to be grateful for the unchanging word of God. This, word is, or this world is constantly changing. That's clearly depicted in Daniel. It shows us how the world is slowly being diminished. Their, their military might might be going up, but the actual kingdoms are growing weaker and weaker over time, but growing more confident in themselves. They're standing on sand. They're, they're go- it's just going to fall away, and when Jesus Christ comes back, he's going to just... He is going to be that stone that rolls over them, and they're going to be chaffed like in, in the wind, just blown up into the air and blown away, and it's just not going to mean anything. They, this world thinks that they have so much to offer, but really, it's just nothing. His kingdom is the one that lasts forever. His is the one that's going to stand for all eternity, and we're just hanging on right now waiting. I'm looking forward to when we get to go home. <laughs> I'm looking forward to that moment, because this, this, whole, this place we're in is nothing. It's constantly changing, but God is not, and his word stands forever. When Jesus returns to, the, to rule this world, all that we are clinging to in this world will fall away and fail us. But we, when we, but we can cling unto the claim. We can cling unto the claimed promises of God. That's the, the one thing that we can actually hold on to. He's that, like I said on Wednesday, the one waiting right there, three, three feet away from us, as we're grasping for other things. But he's the one that's ultimately going to save us. He's he's that life raft for us. He's that lifesaver. More often than not, it takes trouble and trial in our lives before we claim and trust the promises of God. We make plans, but God overrules them. We make promises, and not always, we're not always able to keep them. But in Christ, all the promises of God's word find their fulfillment, and in him we have the power to claim these promises for ourselves and our situations. Verse 21, Paul wrote, Now he which established us with you in Christ and hath anointed us is God. He's the one that establishes us in Christ, who hath also sealed us. Aren't you glad he sealed us? <laughs> There's nothing this world can do to pull us away. There's no principality or power or dominion or anything anywhere that could pull us away, not even ourselves. How often do we hear people talk about losing salvation? Are we more powerful than God? Is Satan more powerful than God? Then how can you possibly believe you lose your salvation? when nothing can separate us from the love of God. That's a promise we can hold on to. <clears throat> so when he said he sealed us, that means forever. And given the earnest of the Spirit in our hearts, moreover I call God for a record upon my soul that to spare you I came not as yet to Corinth. In other words, I was coming to rebuke you, but God had a different plan. Not for that we have dominion over your faith, but are helpers of your joy, for by faith ye stand. In these closing verses, Paul reminds us, reminds the believers that his Christian life came from God. Our Christian life came from God. He was established in Christ by the Spirit, anointed and sealed, and had been given the earnest, in other words, the down payment of the Spirit. Everything was paid for for him. 
And we are too. We are in Christ and we are sealed forever. Even though the word or the world was against Paul, how could he be insecure when the Spirit was working in his life? We can have security because the Spirit's working in us continuously. Not only just comforting us, but giving us power and strength to do his purpose, to do his will. So how can we be insecure? It's because we forget. We forget the why. <laughs> we forget who's with us. We forget who said, he, I'll never leave you or forsake you. We forget the one that says, I will not leave you. I will hold your hand through this situation. The sealing of the Spirit refers to the work of the Spirit in marking us for eternal salvation. Once we have trusted Christ, we are sealed and secure in Him. In verses 13 through 14, he wrote, In whom ye also trusted, after that ye heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, in whom also after that ye believed, ye were sealed with that Holy Spirit of promise, which is the earnest of our inheritance unto the redemption of the purchased possession, unto the praise of his glory. The earnest refers to the blessings of the Spirit in our lives today, which are but a down payment of the eternal blessings that we will one day get to experience. Romans 8, 9 says, But ye are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit. If so, be that the Spirit of God dwell in you. Now, if any man have not the Spirit of Christ, he is none of his. In verse 14, he wrote, For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. That's a promise. We are his children. And a, and a, and a good parent, not all parents are like this, but he's the perfect father. He's fighting for us. He sticks up for us. He protects us. He stands in the way of harm. He takes every blow. There's things that we are probably oblivious of that are coming our direction that he's been fighting off this whole time. We are his children. Romans 8:23. he said, not only they, but ourselves also, which have the first fruits of the Spirit. That's, that first fruits is the promises of what the firstborn gets. It's the inheritance of of Christ that we get to partake in. Even we ourselves groan within ourselves waiting for the adoption to wit the redemption of our body. We are looking forward to it. Our spirit is groaning for that. That is a promise that we can just <laughs> cling on to for dear life and just, just look forward to that moment. So we don't need to fear when we're in the middle of a, a trial or a situation because we know this is just temporary and it's fleeting and what we have to look forward to in the end is just going to be so much better and make this all worth it. Ephesians 1.14 says, Which is the earnest of our inheritance until the redemption of the purchased possession unto the praise of his glory. So it's been paid for, and our inheritance is sealed in us, and it's something we can cling to. We have these promises, and we need to claim them. We forget they're there. Pastor Jesse said it a million times, but it's true. There is value. It's like we have this bank account that we, we have given to us that we just forget about. We look at what's in our wallet and forget that that debit card's sitting right there and we get to use that blessing. <laughs> we're looking at the three dollars we have and we're complaining to God. It's like, Lord, I, can't, I don't know how I'm going to get through this. I can't even get gas right now. But he's like, are you kidding me? Like, use what I've given you. I will see you through this. Just ask. So finally here, at the very end, Paul states that he was glad God changed the plan that he had. The trip that he was planning to go to Corinth because it would have been necessary for him to rebuke them at that time when he visited him, visited the church of Corinth. Instead of sailing from Ephesus to Corinth, he had traveled to Troas and Philippi and thus had given the church more time to straighten things out. See, God wanted them to figure things out 
and not have to go through the, the re rebuke that, that Paul had for them. So now, a visit at that time would have been painful. If he had gone, it probably would have been more damage to that church, and they would have not probably come out of it. But now that matters had been attended to, he could visit them in joy and not in grief. So it was something he could look forward to, going to that church. There are times in our life when we suffer, and God gives us time to get through it with him instead of having something come our way that makes it worse. We often think that our situation is worse, but he, he never puts anything in our, in our life, no temptation that isn't common to man that he won't see us through. So it could be worse. <laughs> and sometimes we think it's going to be the end. Sometimes we can relate to Paul when we think that we might not make it through this and, and our life is over, but the one thing that we do know is we suffer that we might be able to comfort others. Jesus comes to us. He prays for us and brings us comfort through the Spirit. It's continual. And each member of the Trinity is comforting us. We could pray to the Father because of Jesus. Jesus is pleading for us because he's been through it with us. He understands the pain we're going through, and the Spirit is with us continuously. Even when we don't know what to say, the Spirit is, is there to help us convey what we need to, to show our hearts and our, and our desires and our pain. We, we suffer for the sake of others. It's a blessing to us, yes, but it's a blessing to others. All the pain I went through, all the bitterness I had, I was able to let go of because I knew that God had a plan for it. When I finally realized that, it was, it was life-changing for me. I was so focused on myself, and I was so focused on the pain, and I, and, and I was clinging on to everything I could think of to make myself feel better, but I wasn't giving it to God. And when I finally did, when he helped me to realize that the, the pain I went through was for, a, for an actual reason, then I had hope and I was happy about it. I had joy in the pain, which is unthinkable, but it's true. He gives us joy in the pain. And it was that we might have confidence in him alone, and, and I finally had confidence in him. When I was able to just give all that bitterness to him and forgive the people in my life that hurt me and start asking for forgiveness and thanking him for that pain, I, I had confidence in him. I knew he had me, just like he had Jaron. Man, Jaron, <laughs> every time I talk about him, I get, I get teary-eyed because it's so real and so... To me, he's a picture of my relationship with God. <laughs> His name literally means singing and rejoicing. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so I have confidence in God because he's delivered us. Not only just my eternal salvation, but he's delivered me from so much pain. He brought me out of that. He, he took me out of that miry clay and set my feet on a rock. <laughs> he took care of J Jaron like he said he would. And, you know, Jaron's going to get sick, and Jaron's going to have trials in his life, but I know that God's still going to take care of him. And if he takes him, it's because it was time. And I'll be, ha I'll be happy in that. It'll be hard, but I know that God had a reason for it. But I can have confidence that God continues to deliver us because he promised never to leave me or forsake me. And he did that for you guys too. He said, remember in, in Isaiah 41.10, he said, fear thou not, for I am with thee. I'm not, he, said, he didn't say, 
I was with you, or I might be with you sometime in the future. He said, I am with thee. Be not dismayed, for I am that God. I am thy God. I will strengthen thee. Yea, I will help thee. Yea, I will uphold thee with the right hand of my righteousness. I will lift you up. I will keep you standing when you are too weary to move on. When you don't have anything left, I, I will lift you up. I like that picture of the, the oxen where they're equally yoked together. We are side by side with Jesus, plowing our way through that field. And he, when we are weary, when we, have, we can't pull anymore, when we're dragging our feet, Jesus is right there taking all the weight for us. That's why we're equally yoked with him. We can move forward because he is pulling with us. <laughs> so when he says, I will uphold thee, he means it. He said in verse 13, For I, the Lord thy God, will hold thy right hand. Just like a father, when we desperately want our father to do that, do that in this world for us, man, he is doing it continuously for us. I will hold thy right hand. I will give you comfort. I will pull you up. I will give you strength. I will pull you through this. And we will get through this together. Saying unto thee, Fear not, I will help thee. He's the God of all comfort. We need to just remember to come to him. That's why it says to pray without ceasing. He's like, come to me, pray. I'm still here, I'm not leaving you. It's just you're forgetting I'm here, so talk to me. Because I want to see you through this, and I will see you through this. It'll be much easier if you're not fighting me. <laughs> if you're not pulling the other direction while I'm trying to get you out of this situation. One thing I thought about last night is, is we're just standing in this mud of all this junk that we're dealing with, refusing to, to, to just to continue to move forward through it, and we're just splashing around. I think about quicksand. The more you fight it, the more it's going to consume us. But when Jesus is there and, he, and he's holding, we just let go, and it, it just becomes less tension. We're, we're not splashing around. He's able to pull us out of it smoothly. But we just refuse. We're just pulling the other direction. So we need to talk to him continuously and say, Lord, I need you right now. God will always deliver us. And we can claim the promises that he's given us. All those promises that we've covered in the last few days, we can claim those. Because he means it. He's not like the world that says yes and means no. When he says yes, it means yes. When he says it's true, it's true. And when he says he's never going to leave us or forsake us and he will see us through it and we don't need to fear, then he means it. Romans 4.21 says, And being fully persuaded that what he had promised, he was also able to perform. When we read the word and when we trust in him, we will be more and more persuaded. We'll believe it more and more because it will be so evident in our lives and in the scriptures that what he says is true and it's just un unveiling in front of our eyes. We just need to look at it. Psalm 91, 14 through 16 said, Because he hath set his love upon me, therefore I will deliver him. I will set him on high, because he hath known my name. He shall call upon me, and I will answer him. I will be with him in trouble. I will deliver him and honor him. With long life will I satisfy him and show him my salvation. When we have faith in him, when we trust in him, when we love him, he will, he will deliver us, and he will, he will lift us up and set us on high, and 
He'll give us more than we can possibly imagine. We, think, we sit there in a, in a difficult situation and make these plans to get out of it and think, maybe I just need to go to this other job or maybe I just need to work harder and, and do all these things to gain this success that I think I need where if we just followed God and did what he said instead of thinking that we have it under control, then how often than not do we get lifted up higher because of it? Look at Joseph. He was faithful. He was put into prison, and he was faithful through that, and then God put him as second in command to the entire kingdom, giving food to the world that was in need. We look at the, the book of Daniel, and I know I keep going back to that, but man, is it a powerful book and a message of who we, who we should be like, man. He, all the men in, in, that, in that book that were faithful to God were lifted up into positions that would have been so much worse if they just had followed the world. But God promised to see them through that, and they clung to that, and they, they were better for it. We can't always guarantee, I can't promise you that it'll always go like that, but it can. And if it doesn't, then I'd rather stand with God than to do whatever this world said needed to be done. When they tell us to stop worshiping, I'm going to worship anyway. When they tell us we can't meet together, I'm going to find a way to meet together, because it's better to be in the presence of you guys and to worship God and to praise Him through the situations than to just bow down to the world and, and succumb to their pressure and power because that's, it's, it's never going to go well. That weakens the testimony. If we choose to stand and trust in God, that brings God glory. That brings people to Him. And maybe the people that are persecuting us or putting us through that situation will look at that and be like, how can, he, how can they still believe this? How can they still be faithful to God even though we're persecuting them right now? But when that happens, they're like, maybe, maybe this God really is something. Maybe what, he, maybe what the Bible says is real. And it starts to work on their hearts. The Holy Spirit starts to, to move on them. See, God doesn't just punish the world for the sake of punishing the world. He gives them time. Look at the flood. How many years was it before he finally had the flood come? He just gave them time, gave them time to repent, come back to him. He's a merciful God. He's the God of all comfort, and he's still doing that. We could have been raptured by now, but he wanted to wait just for the extra, that last person, one more person, just bring them to Christ because he cares. He doesn't, he doesn't hate the people that are against him. He loves them. Otherwise, we wouldn't be here right now. <laughs> He sent his son for us. He died for us. He wants to save us. So let's cling to him. Let's cling to the promises he has for us and have comfort in our suffering. That's the end of my series, but if you guys have any comments, testimonies, anything that's on your heart right now, I'm, I would love to hear it. Ron. Amen.